Well, you can be opening your Bibles almost anywhere. I got a lot of verses. <laughs> but this morning, I'm going to um, start in John 13. I'm calling the, this series The One and Others. Today is on love. I'm using the same symbol because uh, last week it was on unity. We are united in Christ. We're united also in love. And, and so I... I just asked uh, Debbie, I said, just leave the symbol the way it is, because it also, to me, represents love, that all of us coming together in Christ and showing his love to the world. And so if you want to stand up with me, I'm going to first read out of John 13, verses 34 and 35. The language is, is kind of interesting um, here. I'm sorry, I'm looking at uh, Corinthians and trying to make it John. Let me flip the page there. I'm not doing what I asked you to do. Here we go. I got it now. Uh, it, it's, the language is very interesting because he said it's a new commandment. And, uh, and, and, and the, the, the thing is that is in this commandment, it fulfills all the other commandments. Here, listen to what he says in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I've loved you, you are to love one another. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, it fulfills all the law, which actually I'm going to make a point later, but I'll go ahead and take care of it now. Because if I love you, I won't lie to you. I won't steal from you. I won't kill you. I won't take your wife or your possessions. I won't covet any of your possessions. I'll rejoice that you have them. And I will certainly love my parents and honor them. And if I love God, I'm going to worship him above all else. He is, he is it. I will not have any false god or a symbol of a false god in front of me. I will not take his name in vain and I will worship him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? So in love, all the commandments are fulfilled. But let me go on and read. I'm going to read a few other verses. John 15, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. In Romans 13, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. In 1 Thessalonians 3, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. And for all as we do for you. In 1 Thessalonians 4, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need of anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And then in 1 Peter 1, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. In 1 John 3, for this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then in 1 John 4, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever has been born of God and knows God. And in 2 John 5, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though we're writing a new commandment, but the one we had from the beginning, that we love one another. In 1 Peter 5, greet one another with a kiss of love. Hold on, teenagers, we'll get to it. Um, in Romans 12, love one another with brotherly affection. Only uh, outdo one another in showing honor. In Galatians 5, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then in Ephesians 4, with all humility, humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. Let's pray over to God's word. Father, this is your word. You wrote it down so it couldn't be changed. And not one dotting of an eye, crossing of a T has changed since you gave it to us. 
And now we ask that your spirit would put it into our heart that we would be obedient to it. Lord, we ask you to bind our enemy for he's very active. And we ask to God that you would give us freedom to understand that you would interpret the scripture to our minds and our hearts. And understanding it, Lord, we would say, as James told us this morning in Bible study, that we would do the things that you told us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can sit back down. Now, what I just did is I read every scripture I'm going to read today. And uh, some of you may be going, wait, I want, those, I want all, all those references. Good. Go to cbcstanton.org and the sermons are listed there. And everything I've got, you will have, okay? Um, it, it is listed there. But I always want to kind of sum everything up with a statement as best I can. There's no way you can do everything. But go ahead and put that statement up if you would, Miss Maggie. It says, Jesus' simple command requires greater strength than any of us naturally possess. It requires the Holy Spirit. Now, I, you can tell by the wording, I didn't come up with that. I stole that from somebody. So in case you run across it, I, you can tell them I admitted I stole it. I couldn't tell you where I stole it, but I stole it. It says, Jesus' simple command requires greater strength than any of us naturally possess. It requires the Holy Spirit. Because God's love is not natural to us. It, is, it has to be supernatural because his love is without condition. He loves you if you don't love him back. He loves you if you break the conditions. He still loves you because he put himself under a covenant which only allows him to love. Now, does, does God... Punish sin, absolutely, he does all of that. But all of, all of his motivation is out of love. And so we, we get that. And it is love that drives us to repentance. It's God's love for us that drives us to not want to disappoint him. You know, you, a long time ago I had to decide. I could only make one out of many people happy. And I decided I would try to make that person God. And uh, in fact, the Bible says if you fear men... You, you're not thinking about who God is. You know, uh, the, the fear of man leads us to sin. And so that, that little phrase there, though, really speaks to me because it does require us to walk in the Spirit, as it tells us um, in, uh, in Galatians 5, in order to fulfill what God has called us to do. So let me go back to those scriptures and tell you kind of what we can get out of them. Because my first main big idea point is love one another means we value one another. You can't love something, well, you can, but we, we put value on things that we love, and we love things we value. I heard about a rich guy, and he was driving, he'd just gotten a Porsche 911 uh, Carrera, you know, that's the one with the big whale's tail on the back, and uh, it'll go zero to, oh my gosh, real quick. And uh, he was on a mountain road, and he misjudged it, and he lost it, and he went over the side, and he was thrown clear of the car, but the car rolled down, it blew up. And when, when there was a, a, a guy stopped right behind him and got out, and the guy on the side of the road, Bruce said, man, are you all right? And the guy was just going, oh, my Porsche, my Porsche. I just got it. It's a brand new Porsche. And the guy said, your Porsche, dude, your left arm is missing. And he went, oh, my watch, my watch. I just lost my new watch. <laughs> you love what you value, and you value what you love, right? I think it was a Rolex, by the way. But anyhow... <laughs> There are 12 verses. One third of all the one another's in the Bible is, it concerns this, this idea of love. And so let me go back to them. Because the, it's a new commandment. As I said, the wording is a bit odd there. It's a new commandment. But it's a new commandment not in 
uh, not in type, but in fact. God, of course, told us to love, right? Uh, we're supposed to love our husband and wife. We're supposed to love our families and all of that. All those commands are there. Why does he say it's a new commandment? Because it's a new commandment in, uh, in it is in type, but not, but in fact. It's a new commandment in type. It's God's kind of love. Because up to Jesus dying and sending his Holy Spirit, we couldn't love like he loved. Follow me. A lost man cannot love like Christ loved. Men in the Old Testament could not love like, Christ, like God loved unless the Holy Spirit came on them. But in the Old Testament, he does not abide with them, right, all the time. We have been given the promise that God is always abiding with us. Therefore, we have access to the power to do what he commands us to do. The Bible is written in this way. Everywhere the Bible tells you to do something, it also, in very close proximity to that command, shows you the provision you have in order to do the thing. So God would never ask you to give a million dollars to send the gospel around the world until he also gave you a million dollars. Okay, that's as simple a definition I can give you. If he asked a guy that doesn't have a million dollars to give a million dollars to missions or to some God-ordained thing to see the gospel spread, then you ought to rejoice. That means a million dollars coming your way. But the fact is, you don't get to keep it. <laughs> you got to send it on. And God won't give it to people that won't send it on, by the way. And so, this new commandment, because they send in the Holy Spirit to empower us, and that's why I like the phrase that I started with up there. It requires the Holy Spirit to us to love. It is agape love. He says, all people will know that you are mine if you have love for one another. This is in First John, I mean in John 13, this new commandment. Love one another as I loved you. And then he says, if you love one another, people will know you're my disciples. That's the measurement. And so you have to ask yourself, do I love? And when you, you, you may not be familiar with this, so let me, let me give you a, a, a definition. Let me make it more clear. Because I keep saying love like God loves, and that said it's without condition, and that's, that's good. We, it, the Greek word is agape. In the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, there are a lot of words for love. In English, we got one word, love, okay? And so... I can love my dog, which I do. I can love my apple, which I do. And I love my wife. Now, if I'm comparing her to the dog, I'm in trouble. <laughs> right? So, agape, I mean, uh, the Greek gives us different words. And this kind of love is called agape. You, you've seen that word. People like to use it in English a lot. But what it means is without condition. God loves us unconditionally. He didn't look at you and go, well, you know, I kind of like that guy. I think I'll bring him to heaven. No, he, he didn't like any of us. We were all in rebellion, shaking our fist in his face, saying, no, and God loved us so much, he sent his son to die in our place so that we could be saved. His love was unconditional. While I was still a sinner, Romans 8, God loved me and gave himself for me. You can't love like that without the Holy Spirit. We are called to love one another and love our husbands and wives in a way that is without condition. A man gave this definition. I love this definition. I've been saying it for uh, 40 years now. Love is self-denial in order that I may give myself to the one loved for their sake, seeking nothing in return. That's John 3.16. Self-denial. 
God loved the world so much, he sent his only son. Love is self-denial. In order that I might love the one, set my love on that one. God loved the world so much, he gave for their sake that they would not perish but have eternal life, getting nothing in return. That's God's love. I just put it in a different definition so you could wrap your mind around it a little bit better. Secondly, love's not an option, it's a command. In John 15, verse 12 and verse 17, he says this, This is my commandment, you love one another as I loved you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. A new commandment I give you, I command you to love. Wait a minute, I've been watching Hallmark this season. You got to follow your heart, right preacher? Well, the Bible says your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You can't even know it. If you follow your heart, you're going to hell. Because your heart is going to desire the things that don't please God and will not desire God. And he commands us to love. Well, how can you, like, turn it on? I didn't say you would feel like loving. I said you have to love. And love is self-denial to give myself to the one loved. Right? You don't have to feel anything to do that. You just got to do it. As is a famous saying, you don't have to like it. You just got to do it. You know, I do believe that once you let God work in you and you begin to practice that, you do get his attitude of real love for other people. Amen. I don't think he leaves us in a grumpy mood while we're loving people. Um, He does do that for us. But it's not an option. It's a command. You don't have the right not to love anyone. Love fulfills the cost of the law. In in Romans 13, he said, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And I tell you how the love fulfills the law. But did you catch that? That that you owe people love. You shouldn't owe them money. You shouldn't owe them anything. But you do owe them love. That's kind of odd words as well, isn't it? Owe no man anything. Except love. And notice that. Didn't say, oh, no brother anything except love. He said, oh, no one. Remember that Jesus told people to love their neighbor? And he said, one of the smart alecks in the crowd said, well, who's my neighbor? And he told the story of the good Samaritan. The guy who culturally and racially should hate the Jewish person who had been beaten up on a road and thrown to the side. And all the people like him passed him by. In fact, not just like him, but the religious elite. Walked by on the other side of the road, pretending not to see him. But what in the world should have been his mortal enemy stopped and tended his wounds. And took him to a place of healing. And said, whatever the bill is, here's some money, I'll pay it. I'll come back to make sure that was enough. If it wasn't enough, I'll pay what he owes. And then Jesus looked at him and said, now which one is the neighbor? And these hypocritical Jewish Pharisees who hated the Samaritans had to say the one who helped the guy. He went, yep, you go do that too. Our response to sinners is to have Christ's love. To deny ourselves our desires for their sake. Paul said, I've become all things to all men so that by The grace of God, we can win some. But when you demand your your own fulfillment, your own right, you can't love like God loved.
Love fulfills the cost of the law. Love needs the power of God in the Holy Spirit. We've, I've already talked about that. But that's 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Some of you hopefully are writing them down. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So obviously, none of us will ever be loving like God exactly on this side, right? We'll all struggle with that at po- some point or another. And so there's this prayer here that our love would increase for one another and for all the rest. For yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. We... We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And because love is a result of who we are, of being, is what I said. It might not make sense to your mind when I say it. Love is a result of being. But if you are a Christian, that is your being now. It should exude the love of Christ. Now, concerning brotherly love, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. Concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Love ought to be the natural response of a believer in Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in us. When it's not the natural response, we're not walking in the Spirit but in our flesh. Because it is not natural to the flesh to love. It's natural to the flesh to survive. And that means to kill everything that keeps, wants to kill you, right? But God's love is to die for the other. Isn't that what Jesus did? You see... Having a pure heart before God causes brotherly love. Remember when we preached on the pure in heart, it meant there's no other thing in there to distract from your devotion to Christ and God? Well, here's how 1 Peter, Peter said it in 1 Peter 1.22. And, and Peter had some struggles with loving people, didn't he? If you read the whole New Testament, you find out Peter, he, he could be kind of uh, not, not very loving, but he let the Holy Spirit change his life, so he was. And so he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Why? Because a pure in heart are now thinking like God thinks. And so we love one another with a pure heart. Love is the cause of our salvation. 1 John 3, 11, uh, besides the obvious, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave it. But here's where we love one another. It's the cause of our salvation. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. You see, God's love sent Jesus to us, and then God's love in us causes us to die for the sinner. Jesus died for the sinners that we would be saved. Now, the saved die to ourselves, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and, and uh, verse 5, verse 1 says, If you now are risen with Christ, seek the things that are above, not, not the things on the earth, where, where, God, where God is and Christ seated at the right hand because he's coming to judge. And then Colossians 3, 3 says, So you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then verse 5 of Colossians 3 says, So put to death, therefore, the things that remain from that old life. And so we die in our old nature is put to death by Christ. But Paul says in Romans 7, we, we talked about this in Sunday school a minute, that Paul said, so when I do what I don't want to do, and when I don't do what I want to do, it is no longer I but sin living in me, because the I, the me, my being is now from God. But this body still has got some echoes, and we got to put it down. So Colossians 3 says, so let's put that to death, that you can love so that you can obey God. And if we love God and know his love for us, we can love each other. No matter what that cost us. And so we have to die to ourself. For the sinner's sake. For the saint's sake. 
Love is from God and it's the proof of salvation. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and verse 11. One of the early verses I ever memorized. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and everyone that loveth is born of God knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. We learned it in a song. So uh, that's how it ended. But then verse 11 goes on to say that, that love is from God and we know God when we love. And then 2 John 5. Did, but did you hear what I just said? Salvation, I mean, love is the proof I'm saved. Because it, the love is a supernatural act. It, it's not selfish. It's not, it's not cons- like my love for an orange just because I consumed the orange. Ooh, I love that. That was good. I consumed it. God's love gives and lets itself die. Second John 5, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one you had from the beginning, love one another. I don't know what's going on where John had to write that. John, the, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, they're all about God's love and love. If you want to know a lot about love, read, read everything that the Apostle John wrote. Because that's, that's the theme of his, everything he said. Well, the second thing, and by the way, he was Jesus' best friend. He loved Jesus more than the rest. Peter claimed it, but John actually lived it. I used to know an older fellow, and, and uh, he was telling me, uh, I, I found out this was many years ago. I was a teenager still when I met this man. And I found out his son used to be the pastor at First Baptist Church Charleston. And that church was known um, not to be as conservative as maybe we are today here, okay? Uh, theologically speaking. But that is, the, that is the founding church of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's the oldest, church in, oldest Baptist church in the South Second oldest Baptist church in America. And I said, your son was pastor there? Yeah, he said, yeah. And then he was talking about his son. I said, was that Paul? He said, no, that was my other son. I got one son that preaches it and one son that practices it. So uh, I never forgot that. He was an old guy when he told me that. I was like, you know what? That's, that's a good truth right there. We preach it a lot. We don't practice it much, right? And so John rejoices that and, and says, well, I love one another. Well, love... One another means we are vulnerable to one another, okay? So, there's a way of greeting, to kiss one another. Now, that is not a smooch, all right? I heard, I heard one preacher, they asked him, how long is a holy kiss? He said about a half a second, all right? But in their culture, and in some cultures still today, they kiss on each cheek. I went to Argentina, about freaked me out, because everybody I met kissed me on both cheeks. I'm not that guy, don't do that to me. Uh, but that was, their, that was their handshake. I'm like, okay, whatever. But, uh, you know, I, hopefully they were kind enough just to make the motion and make the sound without actually... But I got slobbered on, I will tell you, I did. <laughs> you know, but you just go, you know, kind of go on. But, but what's he saying with a kiss of love? That, 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 that we greet one another in that generous way. I don't know if you realize that a handshake came about because to show you I'm not holding a weapon. You've got my sword hand now, and I'm not reaching for my sword. I'm reaching for you. And that's what God calls us to do, to put down our gospel gun and our right to ourself and our idea of what God wants us to do, and I love you. So that kiss represented that total vulnerability, that handshake, total vulnerability. I don't don't have a club hidden behind my back. I'm not reaching for my sword. I love you. 
And then we give away affection and we show honor when we love. In Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We ought to be in a competition how much we can love other people. We ought to be in a competition to be the humblest person without knowing it. <laughs> I wrote a book about humility. First 10 pages are pictures of me. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> I've never written a book. That was a joke. All right. Humility is like a fence. When you lean on it, it moves. You either are humble or you're not. And if you are humble, you don't realize it because you're not looking at it that way. And here the scripture tells us about love that we ought to outdo one another in showing honor. We ought to be pushing the other person forward, man. Oh, there's wonderful. This guy's great. Oh, you're doing a good job. We ought to be in a competition, see who can bless the other person the most. I, I, I say this often. I grew up in a place that, that um, hospitality is, is a big deal. And the greatest definition I ever heard of hospitality was inconveniencing yourself so that the other person doesn't feel out of place. Outdo one another, showing honor. And then thirdly, love does always include a cost. It costs us to serve. Galatians 5.13, if you were called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. In other words, if, if something offends you, then I shouldn't be the cause of that offense. I should remove that even though I've got a right to it. You follow me? You hearing me? Why? Because I want to remove every barrier to the gospel to, for the lost man to hear clearly the message of Christ. And here in Galatians 5.13, we were called to freedom. I am free in Christ. I am totally forgiven. I'm going to heaven. You can't take that from me. I'm not going to hell. But at the same time, because of that, I want to look like Jesus. That's not a license to sin. That is a, you better get this right because you're claiming I live inside you. And if you don't look like me, you got a problem. And, I'm, and I don't look like Jesus fully. None of us do. And, and I've got to strive for that. And Galatians 5, Paul says, you are called to freedom, but don't use that. To make yourself happy as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. That's what he calls us to do. Because it takes self-control to love. And this is the last verse, Ephesians 4, 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Have you ever been around that difficult person? It's easy if you work with them because you can go home. <laughs> But boy, when they're in your family, right? You know, you know the poem, to live with the saints here on earth. I mean, to live with the saints in heaven, what, oh, that will be glory. But to put up with them here on earth, that's another story. And we do, we do think that way sometimes. It takes self-control. We have to put on humility. We have to put on gentleness. We have to put on patience. Because you got to put up with me and i got to put up with you. And love is the key to that. Bearing with one another. We don't have a slide for this because I changed my kind of application points. So I'm going to read them to you and I'll get them changed on the web uh, to, tomorrow hopefully. But I just want you to ask, I want to ask this question. 
Are you part of making a community of people who love each other or are you just showing up for church? Are you making efforts to make the stranger feel welcome? Are you making efforts to get to know people you don't know just because you want to love them? I, I know there's a limit to our human capability. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the out. There's only about 60 people you can consistently do that with. Once you pass 60, it gets real. You can't do it. Sort of like go, saying, hey, we're all going to the restaurant. Don't you want to go? And we all go, yeah, because we want to be together. But you wind up talking to one person across the table from you because it's too loud and too many people, right? But we ought to be striving to love people. We ought to be striving to making new people or people we don't know feel welcome. We, we ought to strive to show love and hospitality. That's why we, we tell our greeters, just be willing to be embarrassed. Because you might meet somebody you never have met, and they may have been a member here for years. So you go, hey, what's your name? Is this your first time? I've been a member five years. I'm sorry, didn't know. My name is Stuart. What's your name? I'm so sorry. And just be embarrassed because you don't mind dying to yourself to show love to them. Well, you can apply that many, many ways. Secondly, I would encourage you to invite one person from Calvary to your home in the next month for a meal or whatever. If it's coffee and cake, um, if it's to watch reruns of Jeopardy, I don't care. But... <laughs> and I would suggest you do that with somebody you don't know. That's just a suggestion. If you're kind of nervous about that, start with somebody you do know. Just, you know, because I know this is a burden on the wives because they're probably going to cook the meal and they're probably going to go into panic attack and get the house looking right. That's just the nature. So husbands, step up. <laughs> Help them out. But just invite one person you don't know from this church or even if you know them, to your home. And then third is just a gut check question. If love costs something, what are you willing to pay? What are you willing to sacrifice to show love? Can you put self aside so that you can be a clean channel of, God, of Christ's love through you to someone else? None of this is easy, folks. In fact, it is impossible. Except with God, nothing's impossible. You follow me? I want that when somebody walks in the door has never been here before, they feel more love than they've ever felt in their life. I'm not very empathic. I try to be, but I'm just not. I need you to tell me, uh, you, you, you offended them. Oh, sorry, didn't know. Because it's, it's, I don't take offense very easily either. But we need to, you know what it's like to be in a room where you know that there's no love. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't know that. Children know that instinctively. Animals know that instinctively. What do you think happens when a stranger walks into any church? I'm not talking about Calvary necessarily. And they know they're fighting over the color of carpet or hymn books. They don't feel love. They feel tension. You can't show the love of Christ in tension. You show the love of Christ in sacrifice and love. So if it costs something, what are you willing to sacrifice to show love to one another? That's got to be your answer, not mine. I don't, I don't know what yours is.